Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome to the Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and a lot of consternation on Twitter over the last week since my good friend Bill Mitchell, who has been reinstated on Twitter, uh, came out last week and has jumped off the Trump train. Uh, yes, he has been a, a strong vocal advocate for President Trump and probably one of his uh, strongest uh, social media and media warriors as the host of the Mitchell Report, but he's saying he's done and all in for Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis, of course, has not yet announced that he is officially uh, running for president, but everyone suspects that he will. So why is this and what is the reaction and uh, where do we go from here? So my good friend Bill Mitchell joins me right after this. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when... And we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook. You need to start your retirement account even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. Experts have been warning that a food shortage could be coming even in the United States. They've been telling us this for months. John Boyd Jr., a fourth-generation farmer, told Fox News that, quote, we're going to see empty food shelves in the coming months. And this is why survival food is more important than ever. He's right. You need to create your stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. This is not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years, super survival food. This is hand-packed 
right in a family-owned facility here in the USA. The kits are compact, they're sturdy, they're water-resistant, and stack easily. But most importantly, they are survival food, and this is necessary as we have no idea what the next coming years may bring. So right now, you can go to 4patriots.com. That's the number 4patriots.com and use code Jenna to get 10% off your very first purchase. Included in this three-month survival kit, you will get the year-long guarantee plus free shipping on orders over $97. They're called 4Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4Patriots.com. That's the number 4Patriots.com. Use promo code Jenna to get 10% off. That's 4Patriots.com, promo code Jenna. Start building your stockpile today. And joining me now is the man himself, Bill Mitchell. And so, Bill, uh, you know, what led to this this tweet and this post uh, last week that you are off the Trump train? Yeah, well, I tell you what, uh, Jenna, it was kind of a, a drip, drip, drip thing. A lot of things were building up for me. As a lot of people know, I was one of Trump's biggest supporters over the last six years. I had 90 million hits on my Twitter feed on election night in 2016. And MIT ranked me as the most influential person in the Trump election that wasn't actually running for office myself or, you know, the Fox News Network. So it was really an honor to receive that. But over the past few months, there's been an increasing movement for me and my heart kind of away from what President Trump was doing, because I agree 1000 percent with the Trump agenda is just some of Trump's politics that I've been unhappy with. You know, the uh, the uh, Mar-a-Lago situation, the NFTs. Uh, the situation with Kanye and Fuentes. To me, these were unforced errors. They were drama and they were detracting from the message. And I kept saying, you know, let's get on the message. Let's stop looking back. We don't have a time machine. Let's look forward. Let's get on the message because that's the where your power is, sir. And it just became increasingly frustrating. And then I know that he was going to, you know, sort of go against uh, DeSantis and he had originally done the desanctimonious thing, which is really a terrible insult. I mean, you know, as insults go, it, you know, I think it was, it was sanctimonious because, you know, it sounds like DeSantis, right? But you can't imagine two guys, you know, at a Yankees and, and Red Sox game, and one guy says, the Yankees suck, and the other guy says, oh, yeah, well, you're sanctimonious. You know, it's just, it just doesn't work as an insult. So, it wasn't very good, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, long story short, I'm going along here. The long story short is, is this, that, uh, to me, when uh, President Trump over the weekend went after uh, Governor DeSantis and said that he was a globalist, I'm just like, OK, that's it. You know, this this was a bridge too far. This was the, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back. And I said, I just can't do this anymore. And I moved a, a Trump DeSantis ticket from my plan A and DeSantis alone is my plan B. And I switched that. I moved DeSantis in my plan A and Trump alone in my plan B. And that's what I said to my social media feed. I don't hate Trump. I'm not anti-Trump. But right now, I think DeSantis has become my plan A. Yeah. So let's talk about that specific accusation, um, because the, a lot of the pushback that I have seen against you on social media is first, you know, just what, what you just said that, you know, somehow you just have a beef against Trump and, you know, you just want the spotlight. And, you know, I've known you long enough and know you well enough to know that that's just not true. And people who don't have a media presence and already a huge media footprint really don't understand that that is not what it's about. And if anything, um, this could be more detrimental to you in terms of lo- losing followers. But you are a person of integrity. 
integrity. So, you know, that's a little ridiculous. Uh, but the other really main challenge to this is, well, yes, DeSantis is a globalist because, look, he's taking uh, donations from, you know, big donors and Trump never did that. So, of course, DeSantis is going to be in, you know, the pocket of big pharma and big establishment rhinos. And so, of course, he's a globalist. Yeah, well, to me, that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, People have always said, how do you judge someone's motivation? Well, the easiest way to judge someone's motivation, assuming they have a track record, is to look at their track record, look at their results, because someone's motivations will always show up in their results eventually. And we have enough of a track record with Governor DeSantis for the last four years as an executive uh, overseeing the state of Florida where we can see what his results are. And I can't see a single result from this man over the last four years that looks like he's being controlled by the establishment or by the rhinos or by the globalists. You know, globalism is for open borders. Globalism is for subjecting America to the, to the World Economic Forum. Globalism is for free trade with China so they can walk all over us. You know, DeSantis has just come out and said, listen, Chinese people, you know, these Chinese nationals are not going to be able to just buy up all the land in Florida. I'm opposed to what the WEF is doing. He's been very opposed to illegal immigration and the dumping of uh, illegals in Florida uh, by Biden. So point after point after point, the man is just simply not a globalist. And I don't mind if President Trump disagrees with Governor DeSantis on uh, agenda. I don't even uh, have a problem if he said, goes after DeSantis on some sort of, you know, personal trade or something like that. But I have an issue when I believe that he's stating something that's just factually incorrect. And one of the reasons I have a problem with that is I don't believe this hurts DeSantis at all. I believe this hurts President Trump, and I love President Trump. And I hate to see him diminish himself by going out there because one of the knocks against President Trump is that he's toxic. That's what you're always oh, toxic, okay? But when President Trump puts out a, a post like this, it seems toxic, and he actually is diminishing himself and giving Governor DeSantis a chance to be anti-toxic by coming back at him and not calling names and not getting personal uh, and not doing it. I mean, I, I yeah. think that DeSantis has actually been brilliant and has learned from uh, those like the Cruz and the Rubios who right. really just were slaughtered by President Trump in the media because they yeah. tried to go on the offensive and that just doesn't work against Donald Trump. And so DeSantis, even though he is a heavy hitter, has just continued to rack up the wins in Florida yeah. and is totally ignoring Trump. Now, how that'll play if and when he does get in the race, I think will be different. But you're right. He does have the opportunity to look more presidential, look more more like right. a statesman, that a wide swath of the Republican base who isn't just totally in love with Trump has always criticized him for. So, no. you know, that is a, a real interesting um, component of all of this. And, you know, and you tweeted something else that um, your advice to President Trump would be, you know, listen, take your shots and your punches and go after the Democrats. Don't go after Punch the left. most popular governor in America. Yeah, it, it's a losing proposition. You know, the old saying, you know, don't tug on Superman's cape. Don't spit into the wind. You know, I mean, Governor DeSantis is not Jeb Bush. He's not Marco Rubio. He's, he's not Ted Cruz. This is a guy who's exceptionally uh, popular. He's pleasant. He's charming. He's obviously very bright. His wife is, is charming and brilliant. She just went through a terrible medical situation and she recovered. So this is not the guy that you go after. And on the one hand, President Trump is saying, you know what, Governor DeSantis owes me his governorship because I 
endorsed him. And on the other hand, he says, yeah, but the guy was an average governor and, you know, you can't trust him. It's like, wait, oh, wait a minute. So if you're going to claim credit for him being governor, instead, what I would recommend if I was running Trump's campaign is I'd say, you know what? Governor DeSantis was a relatively unknown congressman when I endorsed him for Congress. And he became one of the greatest governors in America. And he's been implementing the MAGA agenda in Florida. And Endorsing him was one of the best things I ever did. And if DeSantis decides in two months or so that he wants to get into this race, I look forward to him joining with me on that debate stage and providing a double-barreled MAGA attack against the left and against the Biden agenda. If President Trump had done that, he would have scored massive points. And I think we would have actually increased his polling. Instead, I think he didn't score any points at all. He might have even decreased it. Yeah. And, you know, this just... For those of us who have loved and supported Donald Trump for a long time, we know that type of um, magnanimous sort of <laughs> sort of rhetoric is just not really his personality right. and who he is. I mean, anyone who he sees as a threat or even potential threat, he will just go after. And right. that has played well in some ways to the base, because I think in 2016, we loved that somebody was finally had spine and somebody finally was, you know, saying how it is. And, you know, initially it was, um, in my view, you know, very bombastic. And I was not an early supporter of Trump. And everybody knows that the left is trying right. to manipulate that and, you know, suggest that somehow, um, you know, I just started working for Trump to, to get a paycheck and, you know, totally abandoned my morals. And it's like, yeah, no, that wasn't until two years after I voted for him yeah. um, and started supporting him. And so I think we can all, you know, learn and also change our minds about people. And I think that um, what became very apparent to me in 2016, especially after he won the nomination, mm -hmm. even though I supported him and um, even in the primaries, yeah. Um, Leading right up to it. I mean, not initially. I was a Ted Cruz fan initially, but then especially yeah. after he got the nomination, then what he was doing to Hillary and how he was pointing out all of the truth about the Democrats. I mean, it was so fantastic and unlike anything I have ever seen from a politician. Yeah. But I think that because he was so effective at that. Um, how the mainstream media has now reacted to him has really shifted the landscape. And so 2024 yeah. is not going to be 2016. But yet no. we see that he still has some of that same rhetoric. It's not yeah. as effective, I agree. And he still also has some of the same advisors. So, yeah. you know, how is this really... Uh, what, do you, what do you think is really the difference in the mindset and not just the people who are dyed in the wool, they're going to vote for Trump regardless, or dyed in the wool, they hate Trump, they're never going to vote for him regardless. But for people who are genuinely convincible and they're, they kind of have an open mind between Trump and DeSantis, um, if that becomes you know, the two that are, that are in there, right. how do you see um, the convincing that Trump would need to do to, to pull them back and to, to stay on message. I mean, what is that right. message? Well, here's the thing. President Trump in 2016, he came out with a famous expression. He says, I am your voice. What does that mean? That means that Republicans have been watching TV and watching other Republicans uh, talking heads on TV for decades. And we'd watch the Democrats get out there and say anything and throw all these rhetorical firebombs and Republicans would just be like, okay, well, you know, we're going to be nice, you know. And we were throwing our shoes at the TV set and we were screaming, say something, do something, stand up to these people. President Trump came along and he finally was a guy that would say something and do something and stand up to the left. And so we loved that pugilistic style. We loved that, that aggressive style that really, really worked. And 2016 was a change election. Hillary Clinton was a status quo candidate. 
President Trump was a change candidate. Change candidates win change elections, and so he won the election. 2024 is not a change election. 2024 is a fix-it election. Over the last two years and two more years before he's gone from office, Joe Biden has been breaking America. Other than COVID, America was running very well under President Trump. Joe Biden has been breaking it. We need someone to come back in and to fix it so that pugilistic style doesn't work as well. We need somebody. Imagine America is like a house, okay, and the pipes downstairs are broken, the, the basement's flooding, Okay. Do you want somebody that's going to come in and stand at the top of the stairs and give you a speech on how bad flooding basements are? Or do you want somebody who knows how to go down and turn off the water and fix the pipe? And that's what Governor DeSantis is, is he's the guy that can fix the pipes. Look what he did with the hurricane in Florida. You know, you had bridges that were out that were repaired within three days. You had uh, food and medical supplies given to all the people that needed them on time. It was the antithesis of what Bush had done in the hurricane. It was extremely effective. Look what he did with CRT. Look what he's done with all these other issues and how adroitly he has handled these situations. He is the fix-it candidate in a fix-it election. I think that's what is going to appeal because I've often said that America's 20% 20% far right and 20% far left and 60% just wants it to work. And I believe that DeSantis is going to be the just make it work candidate in 2024. And that's a strong suit. He's going to appeal it to the middle. Yeah. And, and he has been the fix it governor as well. And so I do think he has a proven track record. Yes. Um, he does have federal experience in Congress. I mean, obviously not in the executive, but governors often go on to uh, running for president or becoming president. Right. And so yeah. I don't think that that's actually a negative uh, that he doesn't have federal executive experience. Yeah. Um, but for, for Donald Trump, I mean, I think that his track record now compared to 2016 when he was just running off of promises and, and now right. you know, promises made, promises kept, that was a huge factor and, um, and a huge selling point right. in the 2020 election. Um, but I think that his now actually having a record to run on is going to cut both ways for him because there's so much that we can be very excited about for uh, his record. And right. so, you know, yeah, when he promises things, he accomplishes them. And we know that. But DeSantis also has a really strong record as governor. And there are some negatives with President Trump. I think that some of the way that he is still messaging on the vaccine has been very harmful, even yeah. to his own base that loves him. And, um, and and even though, you know, obviously that was done um, under his administration, but not uh, he was never for the mandates ever. And that was never even a suggestion right. until the Biden administration. Um, I think that he hasn't been quite as clear as he could have been. And, and if I'm advising him, I would suggest to him that he needs to analogize that to his stance on the right to try bill and that legislation, because people forget that. They forget that he is all about making people more free with less government um, administration red tape, uh, less of that involvement. And that if people want to access even experimental drugs or procedures, if they believe that that's in their best interest to try to fight for their life, then he wants them to give them that opportunity. And that everybody on the conservative side championed that legislation. And Everyone in the same way should have championed, okay, great, there's there's a vaccine available. Okay, great, but he's not mandating it for people. And I think drawing right. that distinction would contextualize it in a way that not only is much more palatable, but I think is far more honest to his yeah. position than simply taking credit for Operation Warp Speed. How do you see um, the vaccine overall and then also his 
um, his slam and attack against DeSantis for, you know, not reopening soon enough and right. you know, all of those things, right. a little bit of rewriting history, but how yeah. do you think that's going to play if it does once we get to 2024? Yeah, I think <clears throat> what we were looking at in early COVID was a triage situation. Are you familiar with a triage? Triage is where, <clears throat> pardon me, you have an earthquake or a fire or some big disaster, a big pileup. And you don't have enough beds in the hospital, so you, you bring all the patients out and lay them out on the, the grass in front of the hospital. And the doctors go from patient to patient. They, they determine who is in the worst shape, and they give them the treatment first. And uh, Trump was facing kind of a political triage situation. We didn't know how bad COVID was or how it was going to be. Uh, Fauci uh, and Burks were there telling him, listen, we've got hundreds of millions of deaths if you don't do this and so on and so forth. So President Trump, you know, because he loves America— and he wanted to keep us safe, he got behind this thing. Now, he's not a medical expert. He doesn't know that introducing a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic is bad because what happens, you stop herd immunity for the vaccine and you create variants because the vaccine starts, or I'm sorry, the virus starts mutating to beat the vaccine and you get the variants. He wasn't aware of that. Okay, he's the president of the United States, wants to do the best thing, is trusting the pharmaceutical companies. He's trusting Fauci. Okay, so he can say, listen, I went with the advice. Right. It's totally reasonable for him to have a Very reasonable. Just the way DeSantis was originally pro-vaccine. It's very They wanted to save lives. This was a triage situation. This was a crisis situation. I understand that. But what he can say now is, you know, we're getting some reports, a lot of reports of injuries from potentially from the vaccine. And what we need to do is we need to take a step back and take another look at this and evaluate this and to investigate the pharmaceutical companies and make sure that this wasn't moved too quickly by them as far as the boosters and so on and so forth. Um, and for a profit motive, let's make sure that this is really safe. Let's revisit it. We've moved this out quickly. We were in triage. We're no longer in triage. You know, and now we're more of an ICU or, you know, regular care situation. Let's slow down. Let's look at this. Let's make sure that these vaccines are safe for everybody. And if they're not, let's talk about that. Okay. I've always been against mandates. I don't think you should be forced to take uh, something that is an experimental drug. But or you should be able to take experimental drugs if you want to. And as you said, use that segue that you mentioned. And to me, this is how he could handle this and he would make the base happy with this. The mistake that he made was not that, yes, I was in favor of or speed. It saved a lot of lives, but he kind of downplayed the vaccine injuries. And people felt like this was intellectually dishonest from him because clearly there are a lot of vaccine injuries. So that was his problem. And I think he needs to back off from that. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people, myself included, are really frustrated with uh, with Congress for kind of aiding and abetting the pharmaceutical in, uh, right. industry to yeah. then not have any sort of liability for those things that they knew or should have known. And yeah. a lot of people are very frustrated with this. So I agree with you. I think he um, he needs to change a bit. You know, as you were talking, Bill, it reminded me, um, you know, a a governor and a leader. You know, and, and yeah. not governor just yet. I, I mean, you know, somebody who is a leader over right. a group of people, yeah. president, governor, whatever. 
You know, somebody who's a politician who is in government and is yes. leading is very different than someone who's the leader of a corporation who can, for example, manipulate um, the rules and take advantage of the rules in a good way, in a totally legally and lawful way by saying, you know what, okay, that didn't work out. So I'm going to um, you know, file chapter 11 or I'm going to claim bankruptcy and then move on to, you know, and use all of these different tactics right. that you do in the entrepreneurial world. That's not yeah. the same thing as governing. And so right. do you think that this may be one of those instances where somebody who is an entrepreneur and is wildly successful at it, like a Donald Trump, just didn't have that same metric that a truly governmental leader would have responded with? Well, you know, here's the thing. Shakespearean tragedy, you know, I studied Shakespeare in school. Shakespearean tragedy is where, you, yeah, oh, you know, Shakespearean tragedy is where you've got the hero and they've got a fatal flaw and the fatal flaw ends up destroying the hero. And President Trump is a hero, but he's got a fatal flaw. It's spelled E-G-O. He's got a big ego. Okay. He's got some hubris going on there and that can be a fatal flaw for him. So I think that he created the vaccine quickly because he wanted to save American lives. It was a triage situation. It was a crisis. We didn't know where this was going to go. We can look at it in retrospect. It's very obvious. But I think there was a certain part of him that wanted to go down to history as the guy that saved America from COVID. And I think one of the reasons why he's reticent to walk that back is this is part of his legacy. I saved hundreds of millions of lives. We got something done that had never been done before. Normally, it takes 10 years to develop a vaccine. We put it out the door in six months. So it is very hard. Uh, if he is ego involved with his vaccine, it's very hard for him to walk that back. That's a part of who he is. Now, it's not bad for a, a, a world leader to have a big ego because people with big egos don't like to fail. They don't want to fail on the national stage. So there's a good side to that. But it can be a double-edged sword. And I think that what uh, President Trump needs to do is, and what I would advise him if he was asking my opinion on this, is to you know eat a little bit of humble pie on this and pivot. Pivot on and do it in an art, artful way, art of the deal. As I mentioned, the words that I mentioned, words that you mentioned, do it in such an artful way that he uh, acknowledges, you know what? This thing, we did the best we could. It wasn't perfect. We're seeing some problems we didn't anticipate. We might have been misled on some certain levels. Let's look into it. Let's find out and do what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida. So let's investigate this and find out what is going on. And that would, I think, make his base feel a little or a lot better, actually, because this is a big negative that I'm hearing. Now, would his base not vote for him in the general election over this? No, they would still vote for him. This is not a deal killing the general election, but it could hurt him in the primaries. And unless he becomes a nominee, he never gets the general election. So I think that it's something that he needs to um, needs to deal with as opposed to doubling down on it. And I think once again, he's given by not doubling down, he's given uh, or by doubling down, he's given the Santa's an opportunity to appear more rational, more the statesman, more the you know what, I'm going to pivot on this. And you mentioned about, you know, Trump or saying that DeSantis was rewriting the history of COVID in Florida. And DeSantis quite brilliantly came back and said, well, you know, the jury is, has come back on this. The jury is the people of Florida and they reelected me by 20 points. So apparently the people of Florida think I did a great job on COVID. Which is a great metric. And it kills the argument. The argument's over. You know, I just yeah. I thought I was so impressed with that. It's such a good, you know, DeSantis is a, is a very clever man. He's a very bright man. Yeah. And quick. Well, and this is why I think that um, even Trump is 
seeing him as the most formidable opponent, even he though is. he hasn't yet. He's the only opponent in my opinion. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think anybody else who's entered the race, even, you know, Nikki Haley announced last week, um, you know, I think that she's vying more for a vice president nod. Um, you know, there's some right. others that really don't amount too much. I think once DeSantis enters, if he does, that's going to be the dogfight. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the two campaigns strategize uh, and and ultimately oppose each other for the primary. I think the primaries are a very good thing. I say, yeah. let them have it out. I, I love both of them. Obviously, I know and love Trump personally. Um, I'm really a fan of Ron DeSantis as well. And so I think primaries are primaries for a reason. Um, but in just the last couple of minutes I have with you, Bill Mitchell, uh, what is your prediction on when DeSantis will enter the race? End of March. That took me a long time to figure that out, right? <laughs> yeah. End of March. The reason, the reason is the legislative session ends on being on the 14th of March. He's got a new book coming out at the end of February. And I don't know the exact title, but it's basically how to make America like Florida. You know, I mean, come on. Talk about, talk about foreshadowing, right? Okay. How to make America like Florida. And that's coming out at the end of February. People have a couple of weeks to read that. So I'm guessing uh, end of March, which would be earlier than Trump jumped in. He jumped in what, a, in June, right? When he, in 2015? Uh, so, yeah, in 2015. Yeah, so that would be yeah, earlier than Trump jumped in. So it's still kind of early, but still, it, I it think. It is early, but I think, you know, the, the, the cycles are even slower now. I mean, with, you know, Trump yeah. almost like moments after the midterms were done. I mean, he, you know, he waited until the next week, which I was actually shocked by. I thought he might come out. And, and I think if it had been the red wave that um, some strategists predicted that didn't happen for various reasons, that's a whole other conversation. He would have come out and announced it that night, I think. Oh, I agree. But now, I mean, here it is. We're still like 18 months out and we're already having this conversation. So I think if DeSantis waits too long, then he's going to have some people get some momentum fatigue and they're going to say, listen, I just want to be able to outrightly support you. I want the sign in my yard. I want to be able to be right. working. I agree. Um, You're I completely right. Yeah, I'd say end of March. That's my guess between the 15th and the end of March, somewhere around there. And um, yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be very fascinating. And I've had a lot of uh, big names. I can't mention any of them. I've had a lot of big names in my social media feed reaching out to me in direct messages saying, you know what? I agree with you, but I can't come out because I'll lose my job. <laughs> you know, I mean, I work in politics. I'll lose my job. I can't come out. But I, here's my prediction. The day that DeSantis announces, you're going to see a big shift, a big groundswell of support for him. And uh, to me, Trump's best play is play the statesman. Focus on your agenda. Don't even talk about DeSantis now. He's not going to announce for two more months. Pretend he doesn't even exist. Get on your agenda. Be positive. Be the unifier. Punch left. Don't punch right. Seem confident. Seem like, you know what? I was president of the United States for four years. I've got a great agenda coming forward. I deserve another bite of the apple because of what happened in 2020. And this is what I'm going to do for you if you elect me. That's what I would do if I was President Trump. All right. Well, Bill Mitchell, host of The Mitchell Report, thanks so much for your perspectives and dropping by. Always great to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. We'll see you soon.